Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker Texas Ranger podcast. Each week we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker Texas Ranger episodes randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton, here with my brother Adam and our fellow Chinese gang member, Mr. Bob Leahy. What's new, guys? Wow, man. Um, yeah, Bob, way to uh, change your nationality for this special episode. I have dedication to the cause. How you guys doing? Just loving it. I'm loving it. Wow. Just, I'm loving everything. Good for you. That's great. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Nothing to complain about at all. Okay. I'm really positive. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see if we can complain about this episode. We'd like to thank you all for joining us as we revisit Chuck Norris's Kung Fu and Denim-Packed Millennial Masterpiece. Today, we're going to be recapping and reviewing Season 8, Episode 18, Black Dragons, where the Rangers find themselves dueling with drug-dealing diplomats. But before we show off our sick forearm tattoos, join us as we pull up a stool at CD's Bar and Grill. Fancy meeting you guys here. Yeah, man. Just glad to be here. You have nothing bad to say. Your so. positivity is really bugging me. <laughs> if you have nothing you bad to say, you're in the wrong podcast. <laughs> you be positive. I'll be realistic. There you go. That's Ooh, good. Okay. Well, this week, CD's chosen to service up a saucy batch indeed. On the recommendation of Roundhouse Roulette superfan Dale Matt Miller, we're going to be uh, drinking ourselves a cool oatmeal stout from Schlafly, the St. Louis brewery. This oatmeal stout is described as a classic British-style stout brewed with flaked oatmeal and roasted barley, freshly roasted coffee beans, cocoa, and touches of raisin and dried fruit dominate the aroma of this super dark ale. You guys ready to drink the stout that St. Louis touts? Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) I'm going to crack this one open with um, a bullet that my friend BJ gave me that was made into a bottle opener, so... I will be using this novelty bottle opener, which is shaped like the uh, vintage Batmobile. Oh, Batman 66. Mm. Batmobile. Hell yeah. yeah. There's many things I can use. This is a skill I've had for a long time, but I'm going to try this drum key. I don't think this is going to work. All right, I've got a USB dongle. Let's see if that'll work. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's got all the archives of Roundhouse Roulette podcasts on it. Everything's a can now. Oh, man, I dig this one. I actually got to visit the Schlafly Brewery in St. Louis. We went to the free zoo they have there, and I believe I had this on tap there, but this is a great stout. I dig it. A zoo? The uh, St. Louis Zoo is a free zoo, and we also visited the city museum. It's like a, a building that was turned into an art installation, and they have, like, a swirly slide that goes from, like, the 16th floor all the way down to the bottom. It's like for adults and kids. It's pretty cool. After watching this episode, I'm I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> that would be one way to fight your fear of uh, vertigo would be to go to the city museum. And they actually have a school bus on the roof. You can go out and walk into the school bus and it goes off the ledge. And you can open the door and look out like 16 stories down to the ground below you. That sounds like a liability. Is that oh, one yeah. free the too? The whole place is a liability. It's great. <laughs> and they have a Ferris wheel on the uh, roof as well. Uh, I would say this beer is uh, it's pretty smooth. I don't typically, I haven't drunk a stout in a long time, so 
Yeah, it's it's pretty smooth. It's got some bitterness to it, but it's not overly bitter. It's a great uh, sipping beer for the colder months, for sure. That being said, I had oatmeal earlier today, so kind of studied up on that side of things. Are you are you getting the oatmeal notes? <laughs> Let's see if I'm getting some toastiness. <laughs> this is a good one. Thank you, Dale, for uh, hooking us up with it. And I'm just going to put it out there. If anyone wants to send us beer, or excuse me, if anybody wants to send CD beer for us to drink on the show, just hit us up on the social medias. That's illegal, so we can't really promote that. What do you mean it's illegal? To send beer through the mail? There's another podcast that does this, and people send them beer all the time. So I know, but it's actually not legal. I don't know that it's illegal as much as the post office is just kind of like, mm, yeah, you're not supposed to. Like liquids and stuff, they don't like. Mm-hmm. But uh, alcohol, it's like you need permits and permission to do it. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say, what if we use like FedEx or something? FedEx doesn't allow it either, but if you get in trouble with FedEx, they're not a federal institution. <laughs> if you get in trouble with the post office, it's a federal offense. <laughs> the post office doesn't have any money these days, though. <laughs> they're cracking it down. Sending beer without a license is against shipping companies' policies, so any trading you do is at your own risk. That being said, it's common knowledge amongst people working for FedEx, UPS, and even USPS that people actively trade and ship beer. Yeah, I know a bunch of beer nerds that do it all the time. They've given me some pointers. Not that I've ever shipped beer, because <laughs> right. that's okay. Well, yeah. anyway, <laughs> if anyone uh, wants to uh, recommend slash send some beer to us here... <laughs> Hit us up. Before we dig into the news here, there was something I meant to bring up for last week's episode, which was Last Hope. While they were finding Alex's information from her diner receipt, they like pulled out a computer, right? And um, yeah, we... I looked up this address. Yeah. So, all right. So, what? <laughs> what is? It? What are you looking out. at, Evan? Uh, they pulled up, uh, I guess, a credit report of Alex, which I guess back in the day when <laughs> you're trying to stalk people, like that's the best you can do. Yeah. Um, we got a social security number. one 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 two three four eight eight six. Is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. They literally yeah. put Alex card. Cahill's social security, home address, and uh, credit history on the screen for us to, to look at here. Her birthday. It's November 3rd. She just had a birthday. She's got a few different lines of credit here. She's got one for Ford Motors. Does she even drive a Ford in the in the TV show? Didn't she drive like a Bronco or like a Expedition or something like that? Maybe an Explorer. Yeah. And then the last one is Masakuro's Fine Clothes, and she she spent two hundred forty seven dollars on that. So you know, we're learning a lot. We got her phone number. If anyone wants to dig into um, Alice K Hill's financials. This would be a way to do it, is to watch the episode Last Hope. Yeah, it's a deep dive. Um, also, kind of off of that, Evan, you came across some related news to last week's episode. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, last week's episode um, perhaps uh, infamously featured uh, Mila Kunis. Although this was one of her first uh, first TV roles. I guess her breakout TV role was on that 70s show. And apparently... Uh, for those who watch that 70s show, the uh, role of Red Foreman, or the sort of crotchety father <laughs> figure in that show, apparently uh, they were vying for Chuck Norris for that role, <laughs> which I can't even imagine. No, no way. so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Apparently, the role was written for Norris as he had been a member of the U.S. Air Force. However, due to scheduling conflicts, the part ultimately went to Kurtwood Smith. I never really watched the show that much, but I actually know who that is and can picture the character. So mm-hmm. that means he, something. Yeah, I mean, he, he was kind of perfect for that. Was he in Robocop? That sounds right. So Kurtwood Smith was the bad guy in Robocop. Is that right, Bob? That's 100% correct. Oh, my God. I wouldn't just make that up. Kind of looks like they went for, uh, they wanted someone from an action movie. Couldn't get Chuck, so they went with Kurt Woodsmith. Good for him. Well, that brings us to some reboot news here. Ooh. Uh, As we know, they're going to be releasing the new Walker on the CW in January. So uh, this week, it looks like we're about to get a look at uh, Jared Padalecki's Texas Ranger haircut, which, you know, I would say, who cares? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> He looks like he would be playing a villain on an original Walker, Texas Ranger episode. Well, apparently his TV show Supernatural just had their season finale. That was on TV on the CW for 15 years. So you can see why the CW wants to keep him over there with Walker. And they released a little teaser video today. Let's just watch this real quick. Does he have, like, a cult following? He must. He He does. Oh, he he totally does. He must have a cult following because this is an entire article about his haircut. (laughs) Good point. Good point. No, he does. And and whenever I post up Walker stuff, um, there's, like, a bunch of Finn accounts, like Padalecki lovers. It's all into Walker now. So, um, you know, I'm open to love. I mean, Supernatural is literally a show about supernatural things, and they're going to move over to a show that's like a gritty crime drama. They're in the Padalecki business here. And again, do you think think the same people watch the show because it was supernatural stuff? No, they watch it to see him shirtless. Essentially, in in the teaser video, he says, I'm going from the Winchester family to the Walker family, but the one family that I really hope to hang out with is you, my CW family. I'm just glad we got to see any of the Padalecki. You know, they graced us with this little teaser video that was 30 seconds to uh, read one sentence. I probably feel the same way about this reboot as most of the people out there who are true fans of the OG. Walker, Texas Ranger, not Walker. I don't know that if there are any of those fans listening to this podcast, but if they are, we've got some news for you. We are going to just switch over to this new reboot. And we're just going to forget about Chuck Norris and that he ever existed. And I'm going to burn all my DVDs because, as far as I'm concerned, Jared Padalecki is God. That's wow, he, cut. Jared Padalecki is Walker. He is. That he is oh, now. No. Anyway, it was cool to see a little teaser there. And again, no, no, we're going to give this a fair shake. I am, Evan. Come on. I know you had a bad week, but be positive. Speaking of recasting, okay? And we're talking uh, recasting history, recasting parts, whatever. Um, as some of you all may know, we we are also musicians here on the podcast. And this week, Gibson, guitar manufacturer, released a $10,000 custom shop Jimi Hendrix Flying V and SG. So Gibson released this kind of promo video for these guitars to kind of show them off. Just off the bat, I'm going to say, I mean, yeah, it's cool they made these guitars, and he certainly played them in a few concerts, but we know Jimi Hendrix is a Stratocaster guy, yeah. right? Yeah. He's it not, seems like all the footage in that video 
was from like two concerts he was two playing. shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> there well, were two there, co- shows that he played the flying v and yeah. don't get me wrong it looks cool it's the isle of white concert and um i think it's a miami pop festival he played the flying v on on the um the dick cavett show he played the sg those are like the only three videos of him ever playing Gibson's that they use in this promo trailer. But that's besides the point. It's totally cool they made these guitars because, hey, some guy who has $10,000 is going to buy this limited run of Gibson guitars. But the way they phrase the video when she, when they're like, <laughs> he didn't really play the blues unless he played through humbucking pickups. You didn't see him play these much, but he played them before the shows. He warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't play That's them on stage, but he played them backstage. Unplugged. <laughs> That's when they sound their best. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, again, you know, Jimi Hendrix could have made, like, any guitar sing, you know, but it was just the marketing I thought was kind of funny on this, and it came up as an advertisement in my Instagram feed, our Roundhouse Roulette Instagram feed, and I could not help but comment. <laughs> Uh, so the ad for this is in line here. In in to their credit on this Instagram, they say Jimmy was not monogamous when it came to guitars. So I wrote, waiting for Gibson to do a deep fake video of Hendrix playing his SG at Woodstock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he could do that with guitars, Gibson would totally do that. And again, it's cool. It's cool. I have a Gibson and I like it, but I'm just saying, guys, come on here. He's a strat guy. And you even try to say that. You're walking a fine line here. I'm just saying you guys overstepped it just a tiny bit. Yeah, stay in your lane. Yeah, stay, stay in your in lane. lane. Exactly, Gibson. <laughs> Come on now. But this is some context because this is us getting super upset about something that's totally irrelevant and doesn't matter. Just like people <laughs> getting upset about Jared Padalecki yes. playing Walker yes. on exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Cool. Well, we've got a ton to cover this week for this episode, so let's get into it. If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit pause and watch Season 8, Episode 18, Black Dragons, and come right back to us. Well, welcome back. Let's dig into this one, guys. This episode originally aired on February 26th in the year 2000. It opens with a sweet establishing shot of Season 8. And by that, I mean crazy digital zooms starting <laughs> on like a an airplane and you're like oh this one's gonna be about airplanes and then it zooms out further and you see the dallas skyline and then it does another zoom transition with sound effects and it's like someone accidentally hit the camera before they did it too because it was like they use their b-roll footage <laughs> and the way they fix their b-roll footage is to do a quick zoom uh yeah <laughs> this one didn't have any cars going backwards like bob noticed in Damn. one of the other ones i was looking for it too so digital zoom into a back alley where we are about to bear witness to some form of exchange for goods and this is a deal going down between manny who is a hispanic gentleman and pk who is a chinese gentleman they're about to you know exchange the goods i forget i don't remember which one it is but he's like do you have the cocaine (laughs) (laughs) and pk is kind of like hey chill out man he's like pretending like he's having a good time and trying to play like the cool crazy guy and man he's like hey stop fooling around man this isn't a game pk's all like oh but it is (laughs) you know as soon as he said that line that that's what he was gonna say too 
Mm-hmm. You also knew that that was going to be the bad guy for the episode. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> this might be the only drug deal I've ever seen in a movie or TV show where they don't have like a moniker or like a nickname or a code name for what they're dealing. They're just like, may I have the heroin? <laughs> <laughs> So pretty much they make the handoff. Manny's waiting for PK to hand him over the cash. And PK kind of fake hands off the bag of heroin to Manny and pretends to hand it to him, but then pulls it back at the last minute to get a few laughs. Uh, At least he was laughing anyway. And he was making it a game to his credit. Uh, So Manny finally gets the heroin and leaves and immediately goes to the local playground. In the middle of the day. Yeah, yep. middle of the day. <laughs> right out in the open. Yeah. So, I mean, we're learning that Manny isn't necessarily, like, he's very upfront about this. And maybe he doesn't realize that uh, heroin's illegal. Yeah, instead he goes to the local park and starts dealing and handing out to all his dealers. Out in the open, dude, you are not covert at all, Manny. And uh, who should be waiting for him? But uh, Walker and Trevette in Walker's truck. And they were staked out there talking about Walker's upcoming wedding. He says he's his best friend. Yeah, best friends. And uh, you know what best friends do? They bust up drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, they cruise in and uh, break up this deal. And, of course, in Walker, no one ever just submits when the Texas Rangers arrive. They, like, if the police arrive, they completely submit. But if the Texas Rangers arrive, they're like, okay, well, if I can best them in a fight, I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. It's not like they saw my face. Right. But off the bat, this fight, okay, this fight sets the um the trajectory of the rest of this episode as far as fighting and it was off the wall. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was so good. The sound effects were just like ear-shattering. S- sound effects were incredible. <laughs> Wham! And and like a Trevette wraps a guy's arm around and they have like this bone crunching sound, which they <laughs> yeah. use later in the episode too. Yeah, they oh, yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's a pretty epic fight and it's just Walker and Trevette. It was quite the way to kick things off here. And Manny slips away and Trevette's like, Manny's getting away. So Trevette and Walker pursue Manny. Manny is running about as fast as a human can run. And Walker and Trevette are kind of trotting in his general direction. Just loafing. They were never really going to catch him. But that's irrelevant because uh, Manny gets into an alley and uh, PK cruises around in his Lincoln. And then rolls down the window. He's like, (laughs) Manny, come here. And Manny's like, oh, freedom. And you know something bad's going to happen because it switches into slow-mo. PK pulls out a gun and shoots Manny in the street because he doesn't want Walker catching him and then being able to identify PK as a dealer. So, you know, Walker and Trevette, of course, get there and they see that Manny's dead and it's a dead end. But they get back to HQ and Trevette comes around. He's like, here's one of the needles. It's black dot heroin. So what is black dot heroin? Is that different from normal heroin? I looked this up. I don't think it exists. I think it's a Walkerism. Well, oh, there's black tar heroin. So maybe they're just like black dot. At one point in the episode, I noticed when they had some of the bags, there was dots on it. So maybe it's a marketing thing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we learned that black dot heroin is something that's new on the scene, much like silk. No one knows where it's coming from, but it's killing people. Clearly, it's a priority. Walker is contemplating this, and then we have a really jarring 
digital zoom directly onto his face and then it transitions to this like hotel and then we see a sign that says chinese exchange program so they're speaking with this guy edward who's clearly some diplomat and this is his idea to do this exchange program and then uh surprise of all surprises who should walk into the conversation pk enters the party and there's like a little, I think the music subtly does like an evil music for a second. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, there's the drug dealer from the beginning. And he's at the party and, oh, he's Edward's son, the diplomat's son. What? Man, I wonder if I wonder if the diplomat's in on this too. We don't know. PK's there and, man, tension couldn't be higher because we know something that Walker, Alex, and Trevette don't know. They are in danger. So with that tension rolling high, cuts to the credits. That's one way to get me hooked. You know, you show me a drug deal, you show me a fight sequence, you show me a really lame party, and then you combine all those plot threads together and then throw to credits, I'm in. Most of the time when we watch these episodes, we're watching them from the DVD. So, you know, we don't have any commercials or anything, obviously, but they do have breaks for commercials. I don't recall being as aware of commercial breaks as I have been with this episode. I, I guess compared to any yeah. other episode we've watched so far, <laughs> like the commercial breaks in this one are particularly uh, drawn out and dramatic. Each one's a cliffhanger. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, we come back and not only uh, are Walker, Trevette and Alex at this party, but uh, Gage and Sydney are there too. They're basically to say, well, we're done here. We're going to leave. So they leave the party uh, just at the same time that we see uh, PK in the background berating a woman at the party. So we assume that uh, Sydney kind of gets to her car first and then Gage is trying to find his car and uh, he encounters an altercation between PK and the woman that he was fighting with earlier at the party. And she once again shouts out, I know that you're using me and heroin and... <laughs> and at that point, you know, Gage, like most law officers, was yeah, like, uh, up what? <laughs> you're hitting a woman and she's saying that you're, she's, you're using her to sell heroin. I guess I'll go over there. Yeah, let's go check this out. So he tries to step in and PK cleans his clock. Mm. Yeah. To say. And he was, was pretty uh, boisterous too, PK. He, uh, again, was using his awkward sass to give Gage the business, man. But again, yeah. that, that fight was good too, though. Sound effects were pretty intense. Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, PK's got uh, Gage on the ground. But uh, don't worry, Sydney cruises up in her Wrangler mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> jumps out and uh, pulls a gun on PK. They're able to get him into custody. She saves Gage's butt. She saves that yo-yo's bacon. <laughs> yeah, she totally did. Yeah. <laughs> so they bring him into custody, and this is our first instance of a, I would say, a classic 80s and 90s action movie trope. Yeah. Which is, you can't touch me. I have diplomatic immunity. (laughs) (laughs) So just like uh, last week with designer drugs, I did a little bit of a deep dive onto uh, diplomatic immunity. Are you thinking of committing some crimes in other countries or? Well, I'm not a diplomat, so no. But honestly, uh, diplomats and their family members are subject to certain privileges, such as you can't actually be detained or imprisoned and you can't be charged for certain crimes. Like flatulence? (laughs) I don't think you could be charged for flatulence, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, They can. They can be given 
traffic tickets. Mm, what if they're selling black dot heroin? Apparently, I think that's okay. What's well, not okay? But <laughs> but in order to charge them, they would have to have their immunity revoked, and that that uh, revocation can only come from the country. And a lot of countries are actually hesitant to revoke the immunity at all. So our our fact checking has found this is kind of legit. Okay. All right. Good good on you, Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm sure they didn't do the checking. But. No. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, yeah, they can't touch him. And he's like, my father's just going to come and bail me out. We're thinking that we're watching this live. But instead, we're watching a videotape that Alex is playing for Edward, PK's dad. Edward, his father's all like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I, 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 I'll talk to him. So he's bailed out. And uh, they don't really know what to do. So they decide to go investigate PK's girlfriend, whom they find out who it is, because they think she might know what's going on. Yeah. And I will say, you know, this whole episode, I was waiting for Gage and Sydney to do some of this legwork. And Walker and Trevet did most everything in this episode. Yeah. Season seven, I think Gage and Sydney picked up a lot of the slack. But in this one, they did very little. Yeah. yeah. And I'm okay with that. So it's actually Walker and Truvette who go investigate the girlfriend. So they go to her apartment. Is that what it is? Yep. What happens, Bob? Show up and there's a meter maid writing a ticket for a car parked illegally out front. There's a big, probably six or seven story <laughs> building. And all of a sudden you just hear this woman screaming. And she comes flying off this balcony. <laughs> and just slow-mo. It must have taken like 25 seconds for her to fall. <laughs> And they kept going back and forth between like Walker and Trevette's faces and the meter maid and everything and their reaction. They're just like, oh. and I was like, is Walker going to try to catch her? Uh, like you have so much time to think about this as she's falling out of the building. Yeah. But no, she crashes onto the car. Right in front of the meter maid's face. Right oh my God. And the Pretty roof gruesome, just actually. In. She got Lazarus. She totally definitely got, got Lazarus. Yep. That is oh a verb, and it happened. Yeah. <laughs> These five minutes of this episode are maybe definitely my favorite five minutes of, of this episode, and maybe my favorite five minutes I've seen so far. They're <laughs> so funny. So right after this happens, of course, they look up at the balcony. And there are these two, <laughs> these two goons. like in black ski masks. <laughs> with black ski masks, like, leaning over the balcony like, oh, my God, what did we just do? <laughs> They're like, oops. So Walker and Trevette are like, let's go. So they run into the building and Walker's like, I'll take the stairs. And Trevette's like, I'll take one of the elevators because I definitely know what floor it happened on. What if they were going down the elevator? That's the thing. So Trevette goes up one of the elevators. But what if they're going down another elevator? <laughs> no one was waiting in the lobby. There has to be another stairwell, too. Right. So like, Anyways, just, Walker and Trevette somehow know what floor she was on, and they end up on that floor, check out her apartment, and they're like, it's clear. No one's here. Well, obviously, they didn't go down any other staircase or any other elevator. Of course not. They're on the roof. They didn't go to any other floor, either. They're on the roof. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, they go up to the roof, and they're looking around, and I was almost expecting, like, okay, maybe they're, like, getting bailed out by a helicopter or something. And <laughs> that, something yeah, ridiculous. I thought that, too. Yeah. Like, right. Yes. Yeah. But, but, no, they jump somehow from up above the roof down onto Walker and Trevette, and they have, like, the most outlandish, kung-fu-laden, crazy sound effect fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is a good like one. Three this is minutes. A good one. Yeah. The oh, choreography yeah. on this fight sequence was awesome. One of my favorite moments was when Trevette, I think, like punched a guy. The guy did like a backflip and landed on his feet. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But, like, there's just some arbitrary point during the fight. Like, everyone's sort of holding their own. And then there's just an arbitrary point in the fight where the bad guys just surrender. They're like, mm. oh, okay, I guess we're made. And at this point, I'm, I'm like, okay, the helicopter's <laughs> going to be coming up, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're like, okay, take off your masks. The two bad guys look at each other, and they just start running. And Walker has them at gunpoint. And yeah. they just run. Wouldn't you shoot them? Like, <laughs> well, let's just say that these guys are not trying to escape. They were jumping off the building. And yeah. they self-Lazarus. They both commit suicide and jump off the building. And you're like, wow, I mean, <laughs> just... they'd rather commit suicide than be arrested by Texas Rangers. They must have been part of something bad. And then Walker rolls up the sleeve on one of the dead guys. And he's like, yeah, check out this tattoo. The Black Dragons. And I looked up the Black Dragons. They're an actual gang. All right. Doing yeah. a little Trevette footwork. It was an actual uh, Chinese-American criminal organization and street gang that was formed in 1980 by Chinese immigrants in Los Angeles, California. I was like, they have like a date range that this gang was going on. It was from 1980 to 2002. So after this episode came out, and apparently there was a huge FBI sting that took out 30 of their main operatives and essentially shut down the gang in 2002. Wow. We can only assume that that sting was inspired by this episode. It probably put the Black Dragons on the FBI's radar. So Trevent does a little Alta Vista search and everyone stands around the computer while he works up his wizardry. <laughs> and he basically gets some sick returns about the Black Dragons. A little bit more info than what Adam found on, what was it, Google? Come on now. So apparently they started in Vietnam, and that's where Walker has encountered them in the past. But, you know, now they're in the uh, Dallas area doing nefarious things. So Walker's all like, we can't really touch PK, but, uh, you know, maybe Alex, maybe you can check out some of these uh, some of these shipping things because we think maybe he's the one behind this whole heroin thing. And she's like, okay, I can investigate these files. So she goes, and I would just would have thought like she would have served someone with a subpoena or something, you know, but she likes to do things herself. So she goes to Edward's office and uh, asks him for the files. And just as she's about to get the files, add some tension, PK enters the room. <laughs> oh, God, this guy is so unpredictable and crazy. And essentially he's like, it's okay if you want to see the files. So he's sitting on his dad's desk as his dad is pulling up incriminating files to show the assistant district attorney. And he's cool as a cucumber. And you're like, what is going on here? I think we're, we're kind of at this point like, oh, the dad's probably not in on this. If this is going down at this point, you can kind of assume that. So he pulls up the file and we're all kind of like looking at this ancient blue computer screen. It's Windows 98, I think. Maybe 95. I've never seen a file open this way before, but... Doesn't she just open a window with like a little search thing and she types in the name and then it's just like searching, 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 and then the result is files deleted. <laughs> yep. Not like not found. It found yeah. them, but they've been deleted. Yeah, so PK is like, oh, that's weird. Isn't that weird? They've been deleted. Isn't that strange? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and I was right here. I, I wasn't doing anything. So then we transition to a very weird scene. 
a guy selling counterfeit trading cards? Yeah, he's selling fake Pokemon trading cards. <laughs> what were they called? Big Man or something like, like that? Big Monster or something? <laughs> something with monster because like Pokemon is pocket monsters. Yeah, there are all these um, kids lined up to buy his counterfeit cards and Walker and Trevette pull up and he's like, oh no. And so all the people leave and he's like, oh no, Walker, I w- I'm not doing anything bad or... What's this guy's name? Shelby? Is what Shelby. I, yeah. Shelby's just a classic informant. Walker refers to him as a two-time loser. Don't make it three, he tells him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's your classic Walker informant trope who's like a goofy guy who can't really get things right. I wonder if he's in any other episodes. Did you check? I haven't, no. I bet he is. Because this is kind of like a common theme that they have, like, the informant for Walker, who's in multiple episodes. Larry Minetti. He was Hendrix in Enron, and he is Shelby on another episode that I remember is ridiculous of Walker, Texas Ranger, LiveGirls.now. Oh, no. (laughs) So he is. We're going to have to rate him as a... uh... Wait, so he was the main bad guy in Enron, and we didn't even recognize him? He wasn't the main bad guy in Enron. He might be the guy who got strung upside down. Maybe. (laughs) Or pulled into a tree. I don't know. Yeah, I think he (laughs) might have been the guy that got pulled into the tree in the Enron episode, if you guys have uh, listened to that podcast. But um, so he's he's been on three Walker Texas Ranger episodes, twice as the character in this episode and once as another character. Uh, So... You know, they're really squeezing Shelby about the black dot. And he's like, man, no one knows where that stuff comes from. But uh, rumor has it there's going to be a huge shipment coming in. An entire ton of it. That's a metric ton. For somebody who doesn't know a lot about this black dot heroin, he he knew a lot about it. Yeah, (laughs) right. Which it should definitely make you think twice before buying like a pair of counterfeit sunglasses or something. Because, you know, that guy might be doing that to make a buck, but he knows all all about every drug transaction that's happening in in the area. So they now know that there's this huge shipment coming in. They go back to HQ, and uh, Gage and Sydney have run the backgrounds on the two guys that jumped off the building. And apparently they had the same sponsor for uh, their immigration into the States, which was this company called China Sea Imports. So here's my question. China Sea Imports... The abbreviation is CSI. So they're like, okay, let's go check out China Sea Imports. So they drive down to it, and it's basically just a warehouse with a like piece of printout paper. With yeah, the- the, I was going to say, yeah, the China Sea Imports sign is a piece of paper taped on the side of like a warehouse. <laughs> you can see the paper flapping in the wind when they do a close-up of it. Within the belly of the building, there's a meetup there between PK and his guys and... Uh, these two classic bad guys when i saw these guys i was like okay this is like more what i'm used to like a really (laughs) skeezy looking guy and then a dude that looked like an even more jacked dog the bounty hunter (laughs) i wrote the same thing yeah this is dog the bounty hunter without a mullet yeah this guy's got like the most intense golden mane of hair so these two guys are uh bad news and they're gonna be the distributors for when all this black dot comes in I kind of expected, you know, the Rangers to come in fists flying, but uh, they didn't. Instead, they're relying upon Sydney's sick photo skills. She is just taking photographs of everyone who's coming out of the building, and they get into two cars. Now, the Rangers are conspicuously, like, 
a hundred feet away from the building. They're yeah. supposed to be following them, right? But they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not very subtly is what no. you're about to say. They're right? all they're yeah. all standing next to each other, and one of them is leaning on the hood of their car with a telephoto lens, taking <laughs> photos of these people at like point blank range. Yeah, um, they don't notice anything, so they all get into their cars. Walker's like, okay, Gage and Cindy, why don't you guys follow PK? We'll follow those other two guys and try to figure out who they are. So everyone pulls out and uh, in rapid succession, you know, no one thinks anything of it. So yeah, they're following PK and uh, Walker and Trevette are following uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter and this other dude. <laughs> God, and, uh, so good. you know, they're like practically tailgating them, yeah. right? I'm like, <laughs> how, this looks so, so conspicuous. Yeah. They're like, boy, I wonder who these people are. And, Trevette's like, I should run their license plates. It's like, you've been following them for like 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right. Now you're like, oh yeah, let's figure that out. And, and Walker's in his truck. I'm sure no one knows who that is. Yeah, no. that's not <laughs> easily identifiable. And Gage and Sydney are in a Crown Vic classic cop car. <laughs> yeah, like, yep. Probably got the light on it and everything. It's just like, hmm. So PK's cruising around in his black Mustang, which doesn't he know that's Trevette's whip? Come on now. Uh, but he gets a call on his mobile phone. Yeah, from like a mystery face. And they love to do this in Walker. It's like just his mouth and the telephone. And I'm like, at first I'm like, is this his dad? Because that, that would be yeah. classic Walker to be like, oh, right. the dad's actually bad. Right, right. And that actually might have been better than what they do here. It actually just turns out to be some random crime boss that we have not seen yet. But they try to make it mysterious. So he goes, you're being tailed. And he's like, what? And then he goes... Pull over at the gas station coming up on there, and we'll take care of it for you. Because like, okay, sure. So he pulls into the gas station. Sydney and Gage pull in as well, and uh, he goes into the gas station. There, there are two pumps at this gas station, and they're just like pulling right next to him. And keep in mind, this guy like a day before got in a fist fight with Gage, and so got like, he arrested knows exactly by who Gage. Is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're doing a great job of following. And uh, this is where we get a little update that uh, uh, Gage had scheduled a fitting for his tux, but it was scheduled for exactly that moment. Not the greatest of plans. Sydney's like, oh, well, at least you tried. So PK comes back out of the gas station, gets in his car. Just as he drives off and they're about to start their pursuit again, another car rolls in, uh, <laughs> rolls down its windows, we see a machine gun, and Sydney slams the car in reverse. The machine gun misses them and hits the gas pump behind them, which explodes in a fiery blast. <laughs> yes. Um, the guy with the machine gun decides not to turn to the right and shoot them. They just drive off. Job done. They blew something up. Yeah, I think they were kind of like, hey, we haven't blown anything up yet. Well, there's this old gas station up here. Yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but I'm we glad need, they did it, it. We need at least one explosion in an episode. This did it. It was like shooting gas everywhere, too. It was pretty sick. You know, at this point, I was kind of expecting um, to cut back to Walker and Trevette having a showdown with these two guys in their car, but nope. There really wasn't a chase in this, was there? Because they kind like of a, were chasing them, right? Yeah, I call it a pursuit. Anyways, that's all good and great. And uh, this is when uh, PK... He narrowly escapes being followed and ends up uh, meeting the crime boss, who is Master Ko. He's like, oh, don't worry. I told you everything would be all right. They can't get me. 
And then Master Ko, like, strokes his face really creepily and is like, it better work out or else, you know, I'm going to waste you. And he, the reason he's, like, he's reaching out his arm to touch this guy's face is because um, they need to show off that he also has that sick forearm tattoo of the black dragon. <laughs> like, yeah, if you don't stroke his face creepily, you won't extend your arm far enough to get into the camera frame. So All right. And I, I recognize this actor. Uh, this guy played uh, Shang Tsung in the original Mortal Kombat movie. So um, there you go. Too. So at that point when I saw that, I was like, total showdown with Walker at the end. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, back at HQ, you know, no one mentions anything about almost getting blown up or anything like that. Why? And, uh, Why waste time on dialogue on that? Right, exactly. Just like uh, in uh, was it an episode or two ago... Uh, when Walker and Trivette were almost taken out by a sniper, and they just went back to HQ like nothing happened. You know, we don't have we don't have time to discuss. We don't want to the do ramifications the on this of one. What, right, like that was crazy what just happened to us. But let's just keep pushing forward. Uh, so they get an ID on these two goons. They are the Warley brothers. They're just bad news. And Walker's like, I got a plan to cook up, and this plan might be. The most technologically advanced plan Walker's ever done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we've we're talking even during the Chairman Saga because that's just all computer babble. This was really maniacal of Walker, for sure. Walker decides to visit the the AV club at the Ranger I, Station. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> There's like a mixing board. The audio and, forensics uh, lab, maybe. Right. And a uh, scrawny, pale nerd who works there. So Express. it must be. Yeah. He's got a and few racks of gear behind him with random knobs. That could just be the rig from the actual episode. That's, probably, that's what I was saying. <laughs> probably about right, yeah. But they basically asked this guy to uh, make a deep fake. Yeah. They're like... Hey, here's some footage of PK talking to us for an hour. Can you take this and transcribe it into uh, this message? I'm waiting for him to be like, I don't know. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> when you need it, by a couple hours. Yeah, yeah should be all right. <laughs> should be doable. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. I'm like, oh, well, good. He's good. So the next part of their plan is to pawn this tape off on their buddy Shelby and... Somehow they convince him to try to sell this tape to Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> in some bar. It's called Old Crow, and they actually have establishing shots of it in the logo in the episode, and it's still around. We should go. Add it to the list. Yep, Old Crow. All right. So, yeah, through uh, no small feat, Shelby's able to uh, pawn this tape off to Luke Worley, the mountain of a man who is just sitting at a bar and very suspicious of this whole thing. But fortunately, Luke Worley brought his Walkman so he could <laughs> exactly. so he could listen to the tape first before buying it. Now, Luke yeah. Worley is Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? Right. Just to yeah. Clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's probably his jock jams he was jamming to earlier. When he was pumping iron, he's like, oh. <laughs> no, it's just cat scratch fever on an endless loop. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, now we realize what the end game was. There's a tracking device in the cassette tape. And we know that it's working because you see a tiny cell phone 
in Gage's hand with like a superimposed digital image of <laughs> a red dot blinking on some sort of city grid. And it's like <laughs> making these noises like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog or something. <laughs> it's like a little handheld video oh, game. Oh my God. So they start tracking Luke Warley. Dog the bounty hunter. Dog from here on out. Dog. <laughs> so meanwhile, PK is picking up the shipment at customs. And this is a one ton of heroin. Yeah, a metric ton. No biggie. He's got it in a little work van. Would it fit yeah, there? He, I guess I, like, I can't really visualize a ton of anything, really. But Yeah, just one, uh, you know, one moving truck's worth. What blew my mind was that he's trying to check out. And the guy's like, oh, this isn't on the list. And PK's like... Oh, yeah, this is the consulate truck. It's always on the list. I'm like, what consulate has its own, like, moving truck? I mean, you <laughs> what don't know. What is this? It's, it's just governmental stuff, man. It's it's. They're not going to tell us about it if you're in the consulate. This is how you get your drugs. Pretty sweet deal. Well, it's not a sweet deal for the uh, security officer. He just gets snuffed out by PK. Yeah, PK's like, you really should call your supervisor because this could get you in some serious trouble if you don't. So the guy turns his back on PK and he pretty much just snaps his neck. Right after PK pulls the, do you know who I am move? I love Classic. It. He's just caring <laughs> the whole situation. Yeah. So uh, he thinks that was a clean break. He's like, oh yeah, we did such a great job. That was great. So he then uh, brings this truckload of heroin over to Master Ko's place. Just as he's doing that, the Worley brothers bring the tape over to Ko's place. Instead of having a Walkman, he's got like a talk boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, So it's like a little speaker. He can play his audio tape. He probably had to stop at home first to pick it up. He had to get all those D batteries too, you know? Oh, actually, no, 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 no. That, that's how he plays music in his car. Uh, he swung by Radio Shack. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. For dramatic effect, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to see him at Radio Shack being like, hey, I'm, I need to out this rival drug dealer and I'm looking for a speaker small enough to play my cassette. Do you have anything like that? They're like, oh, yeah, we got that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can we interest you in this phone, too? Also, can you punch my battery punch card, please? <laughs> <laughs> he shows up at Master Co's place. So he plays the tape. Everyone's all pissed because they're like, wait, PK? He, he ratted us out? And everyone pulls their guns on PK dramatic commercial break yeah and what did the tape say what did it really make him say it was like it's like it's basically made to sound like pk is telling walker about the, the whole drug deal and all that yeah. yeah after it comes back from commercial break master Cole's all like no it's cool this is fake <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. you know i encounter fake tapes all the time this is totally a thing and uh, he would never to go that route he, <laughs> right he would never rat me out because he knows what would happen if he did which I'm thinking he'd be killed, which he's at gunpoint right now. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, he's already at that point. But PK's like, see? <laughs> see, everyone trusts me. We're all good. And at that point, the Texas Rangers bust in on Master Ko's place. And this sequence of fights is up there in the Walker Pantheon here. Oh, it's fantastic. They go in guns blazing. And the guys who get shot out on the front steps... Their deaths are some of the most dramatic. <laughs> They're just like super slow-mo, like oh, 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 over man. the top. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like um, so quick too. Like these fight scenes move so quick. 
that they even with the slow-mo it moves fast they take out the initial guard guys and then they rush into the building and you basically get like four showdown fights at once yes so sydney is out by the pool and she's taken out one of the warley brothers not the big one the lesser Warley brother. Yep, by the pool. And then uh, Trevette is taking out Dog the Bounty Hunter in the kitchen. Gage runs into PK outside. Yeah. And he's like, I got some unfinished business with you. Oh, and does yeah. the classic hashtag easy way or hard way move and puts his gun away. And they do some hand-to-hand combat. And then Walker walks into the office of Master Co. And he's like, you must be the leader of the Black Dragons. And Master Co's like, Yep. And Walker puts his gun away and is like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, they just don't. They're like, oh, let's just fight this out. And then at that point, you're like, okay, they just got all this stuff out of the way. Now we can just watch four fights simultaneously happen in all their glory. Yeah. And like the true glory is the sound effects, which are (laughs) insane. It's like an earthquake when they finally take out the bad guys. Like they usually, whenever they do their finishing move, yeah. It's like a thunderclap that ricochets off of mountainsides. Sydney does like some weird acrobatic backwards kick. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> uh, Walker like throat punches the guy for, for his fatality. <laughs> Finish him. So they take all these guys out and it is nothing less than epic. We get to see PK in custody again. <laughs> and Alex is like, do you have any remorse for what you've done? And he's like, no way, man. Tell my dad to get me out of here. And his dad is is watching the whole interrogation behind the glass. Mm-hmm. And he saw it all go down. And he's like, this guy's bad news. They're like, so you're going to revoke his immunity? And he's like, yeah, I'll sign the paperwork. Sure. And then he just leaves <laughs> the room. And uh, then like Alex is all like, oh, what happened? Like his father clearly loves him. And Walker decides to mansplain parenting where he says, sometimes the love of a parent isn't enough to overcome bad influences, Alex. And it's true. You know, sometimes you might be brought up right, but you turn out like, I mean, look at me compared to Evan, Bob. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, it's fair. It's fair. So. But I mean, that's basically the name of the game with Walker, Texas Ranger. Pretty much anyone who goes bad, it's bad influences. And they usually have like a doting parent. Look at Tommy Lopez. He has a loving brother and mother, but bad influences took him out, man. You know, then you get this weird sequence at the end back at HQ where even though Walker might not be making fun of Trevette anymore, that responsibility has been passed on much like much <sighs> of the fighting oh, no. to uh, Gage and Sydney. Yeah. Yes. And they give him a hard time about being old, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I was like, Sydney's throwing shade on Trevette? What? Like, at this point, Walker's like 70-something. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Gage is all like, oh, I missed my fitting again. They're like, oh my god, I can't believe you haven't gotten your tux yet. And they ask Walker and Trevette if, if they got their tuxes. And they're like, no. <laughs> and they're like, man, this is such a man thing. And they're, like, trying to explain this to Gage, and it's just, like, so clumsily written. It actually feels like a conversation that would happen in real life that you're just like, man, I know you guys are just trying to make conversation about this really stupid, minute thing about not these touches not being done. It feels like a conversation between people who don't know each other. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. 
That's how it epically ended the episode. With a whimper, really. <laughs> I know. But when you're burning that hot, that's pretty much all that can happen. Well, that about sums up this episode. We'd like to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who continues to draw the amazing Walker strations on our social media. Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at, at imagination run amok. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate black dragons on a scale of zero to ten boots to the face, resulting in our patented roundhouse roulette episode ranking, complete results of which are available on our website, roundhouseroulette.com. Don't go away. Oh, hey guys. You caught me working on my chun cook dough for tomorrow's lesson with a fresh batch of troubled teens. So, you've been thinking about joining our ranks, huh? Well, we here at Roundhouse Roulette are powered by love of pure, unadulterated Walker, Texas Ranger, of a kind only found in your local dojo's sweatiest community gi. Paired with the fellowship of listeners like you, it's been a blast following Walker's adventures thus far. As you may have surmised, the National Karate Association is not yet one of our sponsors, nor may they ever be. <laughs> so if you'd like to lend us a hand or foot in jump kicking the podcast to new ridiculous heights, please share us with a friend or leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to further help us take it to the streets, we recently added some fresh new merchandise at roundhouseroulette.com. Or, for as little as a few bucks a month, you can help us bring the podcast to you every week on our Patreon page. Membership levels range from Criminal Mastermind to Full-Blown Texas Ranger, and promise further Walker content, perks, and antics. All these things help us cover editing, artwork, blogs, and web hosting, and further our goal of delivering the light of Walker to the rest of the world. Most importantly, though, thank you for listening and making this ridiculous journey of ours worthwhile maybe but enough of my procrastinating it's time to prove my mettle and walk over a bed of hot coals oh walker have mercy on my soul let's get back to the show welcome back what did you guys think of this episode I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I thought it was pretty fast-paced. Now that we dug into it, the plot was convoluted, but it didn't feel that way. It was pretty basic. Uh, there was a possibility of Gage and Sydney to take away from fights from Chuck Norris and Clarence Gilliard. That didn't happen here. If anything, it multiplied the number of fights, which was amazing. I'm going to go seven. Yeah, I'm with you. I enjoyed it. And I think a lot of the, the side stories that they could have gotten bogged down with, they just didn't really dig into. This episode was kind of like, it was like a meatball right down the middle of the plate. They knew it was coming and they just hit it out of the park. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get too fancy. Let's just do what we do. Right. That's what it was. Where do you fall on this one, Bob? I liked it. I wrote eight. Yeah. And, and I, I did not expect it. Yeah. I kind of figured that this episode would suck. Yeah. But uh, it did not. This episode was awesome. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> so it damn was. good. Okay, Adam, I think you're forgetting the fact that a woman was launched out of a window onto a <laughs> yeah, car. It's like, true, come it's on true. now. And then they had a kung fu fight with these two random mass dudes on a rooftop. And then the guys <laughs> both jumped off the building to avoid being captured. All right. Yeah, I got to go higher than that. So I'm going to go eight. 
I'll boost it up to eight because this was a really great one. What do you got, Evan? Just drop the bomb. I'm a, I'm on a nine on this one. Ooh. I'm oh. pretty high on it. I'm pretty high on it. Like the sound effects, just like the fights, it was just so ridiculously over the top. And yeah, the plot was like kind of ridiculous, but it really felt like just like a vintage action movie. So that gives this episode uh, one of our higher rankings. This is a uh, 8.66 repeating. Boots to the face. Ah! Well, I think we can all agree that Walker and company had a flawless victory. But let us know what you think on social media or by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com. When we come back, we're going to spin that roundhouse roulette wheel and select next week's episode. Welcome back. Ready to spin that wheel, Bob? Let's do it. (laughs) Another one. Another late. All right. All right. Safe house. When an accountant agrees to testify against his crime boss employer, the Rangers attempt to protect him from reprisal. But we hope you'll join us next week when we share our reactions to Season 8, Episode 3, Safe House. Share your opinions with us on Facebook and on Instagram at at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at at Roundhouse Pod. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Thanks for listening. And until next week, may, may the, the eyes of the Ranger, Ranger be upon you. you. When you're in Texas looking behind you Oh, cause that's where the ranger's gonna be